Today we're continuing our uh, discussion of the millennial and post-millennialism, and particularly today, amillennialism. And at the end of this session, I pose a couple of little experiments to see if perhaps we're in the millennium right now. We today are in the middle of talking about the millennium. What a great subject. Now, a part of me um, <clears throat> hesitates to use the word millennium. It's, it's okay. It means a thousand years. And, um, <clears throat> but, but what I really want to do, now right now we're just giving kind of a somewhat cursory description of the millennium and some of the things believed about the millennium that have arisen since New Testament times, like post-millennialism, which teaches that Jesus Christ will come back at the end of the millennium. Uh, and then they would say that the millennium is the church age, and so uh, what's going to bring Jesus back is, is the church doing such a good job that it politically, uh, morally, socially transforms the world and uh, then somehow he returns. Um, now we're looking a little bit at awe millennialism. Awe meaning like, like if you're using the word moral and you said all moral, it would mean not neither moral nor moral. It's just it's not a moral issue. So all millennial means that there really isn't a millennium, and the period talked about as the millennium is actually the age we're in. We're in the millennium, if you please. The church age is that age. Uh, And uh, to help that fit together, uh, Revelation chapter 20, which is uh, probably the most descriptive New Testament chapter about the coming age, um, what the all-millennials says is that that needs to be before chapter 19. That chapter 19 ends uh, the story, and chapter 20 should be between before chapter 19. Now, uh, I'm 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 not I'm not sure how we feel like um, just you know to use raw language, just jacking that all around and making it like you want it to be. I'm not sure that that's legitimate uh, hermeneutically. Uh, also in Revelation 20, it talks about the devil being bound. And uh, so if this is indeed the millennium, and during the millennium the devil's going to be bound, then he's got to be bound now. So then the question comes up, well, is he bound now? Or is he not bound now? And um, uh, so the amillennialist has to uh, some way create and leave room for some kind of partial binding in the present so that it doesn't, so that the doctrine doesn't cross the Bible, which would be... Um, make it very questionable, (laughs) 
when you're talking about the Bible. Uh, and then if you say, well, he is bound now, then <clears throat> you have to explain how he can be bound, and yet we know that he is active in the world today. If the world today is the world of holiness and righteousness spoken of in the Old Testament and talked about in the New Testament, if this is the world of holiness and righteousness, then most of us would say, I would hate to see the world before it got holy and righteous uh, with the, the, the murder, the sex trafficking, the, um, the dishonesty, the corruption, uh, all the things we see going on uh, and the directions, the winds of um, popular thinking, thinking that is uh, done outside of scriptural mores done outside of the presumption that there is a God and that there is a right and wrong. So if, if this indeed is a millennium, uh, then I, you know, I, for one, would be disappointed that we, God couldn't do any better than this. So, uh, <clears throat> so let's read again in Revelation 20 what it says there about the devil being bound during the millennium. Uh, so if you go to Revelation 20, it says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, okay, having the key to the bottomless pit, whatever that terrifying place is. This angel comes, get this now, having a key to the bottomless pit, and this angel has a great chain in his hand. Not just a chain, <laughs> a great chain in his hand. And he's coming to this bottomless pit, which evidently is locked down because he has a key to the bottomless pit. So there must be an entryway that uh, has a lock on it. And that this angel has the key to that lock. And with it, he has a great chain in his hand. And this is what it says. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And cast him into the bottomless pit. And shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. Okay, now that's how chapter 20 of the book of Revelation starts. Now, it might first be profitable to observe how elaborate was this binding process this story is intentionally shaped to accommodate the highest kind of drama, great heights, plunging depths, huge clanking chains, old keys to ancient doors, which when open expose an abyss, the depth of which is absolutely terrifying. And an angel comes with the key to this bottomless pit. 
And when it says the key, the indicates that there probably was a rare few who had a copy of this key. Further, that angel had a great chain in his hand. This makes it now seem less likely that Satan could get out of there. The great chain was evidently put around the door and the doorpost of the bottomless pit and locked down to make sure that he is bound. But now we're told that he's, well, this is what the Bible tells us. We're told that he's somehow free simultaneously and that the chain certainly doesn't indicate freedom, especially when it's used in a bottomless pit with a door which requires a particular key to open. And next he cast him into the pit. The Greek indicates this is an immeasurable depth. The bottomless pit is an immeasurable depth. So how does one even find purchase therein in order to scramble back to the gate of the pit in an attempt to climb out of there? Furthermore, it says he is cast, meaning to throw one in without care as to where or how he or she lands. Notice the next thing. He shuts him up as occurs in Noah's Ark for those saved. The door is shut. So occurs with Satan in the bottomless pit. He's shut up. And this indicates no hope of escape, no possibility of freedom from the great chain or the great door or the rare key. And the fact of being shut up, finally, a seal is set upon him. To seal is to do two things scripturally. One is to put a mark on something to identify it. Secondly, to seal is to conceal. To put a seal on it was to conceal it. Roll it up, conceal it, where you can't read it. He is marked and concealed away for 1,000 years. He's not only bound, but he's concealed. Now, this elaborate description seems to me dims any hope that his binding leaves room for the great amount of evil activity found in our present world today. All the description immediately above is the biblical teaching of the location of the devil during the millennium. Now, one who can take that description and make it into something partially bound or semi-bound or a real long chain is indeed amazing. And in attempts to undermine the clear description of Satan being bound, reference is actually made to the binding of demons and other discussions of Satan being bound in the church age. Well, first, that Satan is not bound in the church age as graphically described in Revelation 20 is very clearly uh, and simply seen by what the Bible provides. He's in the present age described as a roaring lion, not something bound, but a roaring lion seeking whom he may desire. He's also described as the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the god of this world. So there is no doubt that the coming of the kingdom with and by Jesus as announced by himself in Mark 1, 14, 15, brought into the world power over demonic forces, which heretofore were not given to the people of God in the Old Testament. Furthermore, demons cast out were evidently not cast out of the environs of earth, but only of the place or person in which they had been residing. 
that there was such a level of binding may be revealed in Mark 5 and 7, in which the demonic spirit says when confronted by Jesus, I adjure thee by God. This is the demon talking to Jesus. I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. So apparently there is a terrible and coming final punishment or torment or binding of which the demons were aware at that time. In addition, they evidently knew that although they were destined to end up there, that the time in which they were to be sent there had not yet come. They were also aware that Jesus knew this. And remarkably, when they request to be sent into the swine as an alternative to being cast out of the man, Jesus acquiesces and allows it. It's evident this certainly does not equate to the personal binding of Satan described in Revelation 20. In fact, it appears as a kind of present restraint, which is dramatically less than the finality of the binding for a thousand years. And beyond that, it seems that there are a few simple experiments which could be done which would immediately resolve the question whether or not we are at present in the church age or in the age to come. So let's try this. First, let's read Isaiah 65, 25. Speaking of this time of the kingdom to come, the wolf and the lamb shall feed together, says Isaiah 65, 25, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock. And it goes on and describes other things. So, but let's just take those two things. We could take a whole list of things here, but let's just take these two things. And let's do a couple of experiments. The first experiment has to have some instructions. And here they are. Right now, in the church age, first, place one cute little fat lamb in a nice, flat, grassy place, about 10 by 10. Now, place one huge, wild, raging, extremely hungry yellow wolf on the same nice, flat, grassy place. Leave the scene. Come back in an hour or so. If they both have eaten grass, then think, hmm, maybe millennium. But if the wolf had lamb chops instead of grass, one of two things can be decided. First, the church age is not the millennium, or B, the wolf didn't know his eschatology and messed up. So here's experiment B. Okay, number one, clean up the bloody remains from experiment one. Now, in the church age, place one very hungry, raging, mature lion on the 10 by 10 spot. Now place a broken bale of hay in the middle of the experimental space. And now place a very hungry young bull on the other side of the 10 by 10 space. Leave. Come back in one hour. When you return, if the lion and the baby bull are together eating hay, you may be in the millennium. But if the baby bull didn't eat at all, but the lion has gorged on very rare beefsteak, then run. The church age is not over, and it is not the millennium. See you tomorrow.